Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So my good friend Jim Bianco just came out on CNBC and made a prediction for 2024 that you are not going to believe. Holy cow. Let's get right over to this clip. And I'm going to play some parts of it and then react to it. And just keeping in mind, I, I think Jim's fantastic. Super, super smart guy. Uh, I do. Uh, well, you know what? It's weird. In, in certain circumstances, I could agree with what he was saying, but it is definitely not my base case. But I understand how he's come to those conclusions. So before we get into it, before I start, uh, you know, saying how I disagree with Jim on this, this and this, just let it be known that Jim's a great guy, great friend. And uh, I've got a massive amount of respect for him. Just I don't see I've got a different view. Let's say I do not see eye to eye with him on this prediction that he is making for 2024. So let's get right into it. Here he is. Jim Bianco himself on CNBC yesterday. Which led the markets to really believe that six rate cuts were happening next year. Yeah, no, the, I thought that Steve did a good job that the minutes came in a little bit more hawkish or we might say a little bit more balanced than people had expected that it wasn't the type of minutes you would have heard if the Fed was getting ready to cut six times uh, this year. So they're talking about the Fed minutes that came out yesterday and whether that was hawkish, dovish. Uh, what Jim is saying is that he doesn't read them as really hawkish, but based on those minutes, he has a hard time believing that they're going to cut by what the market is predicting, which is six cuts or what they came out and said the other day was uh, or their dot plot, right, is like three or four cuts. And so I think uh, on balance, it was suggesting that the Fed might be a little like you used the word stickier in cutting rates. I mean, it doesn't mean they won't cut rates. It's just it might not be as aggressive as everybody says. To your first question, yeah, I've been arguing for many, many months that I think that the 10-year yield could go to 5.5%. That has not been working for the last few months. Now, here's where I completely disagree with Jim. He's talking about the 10-year Treasury yield going to 5.5%. Now, guys, keep in mind right now, it is 3.9. It actually got up slightly over 4 so it was way up at five, maybe two or three months ago. Then it crashed all the way down to, I think it got like the three seven range, maybe three eight. And then it has spiked up over four, now back down to, I think, mid uh, 3.95, something like that. So he's talking about the 10 year treasury yield going up by 150 basis points from here. The first thing that I would say to Jim. If he was, if we were having a conversation, I was interviewing him, I'd say, Jim, how do you reconcile those two ideas that the Fed is going to cut rates? You still believe they're going to cut rates, maybe not six times, but you believe they're going to cut rates in 2024, while at the same time, you think the 10 years going to 5.5. So that means the base case here is that the 10-year treasury yield, which is now right around, let's say, 3.9, is going to go straight up while the front end of the curve is going to come straight down. So the Fed's going to drop rates, and the 10-year treasury yield, as a result, is going to go up. See, this is... <laughs> I, I, I just... It's, it's possible. It absolutely is. Is it probable? I don't think so. Let's keep going. But I also see an economy that's doing okay, and I see... Inflation that might, to use the word again, sticky, 
around 3%. And so I'm going to stick with that, that I think that, you know, before 2024 is out and probably towards the middle of the year, we might see new highs in yields and maybe closer to five and a half percent. Jim, what is Okay. So here, let me, uh, let me uh, agree with Jim for a moment. And okay. If you're assuming that the economy is going to stay strong or let's say resilient, right. Going into 2024 and, but then you have to ask yourself, why would the Fed cut rates, right? See, see, so again, this, this, to me, it, it sounds like a contradiction because we're saying that the Fed is going to drop rates, but yet we're also saying that inflation is going to remain sticky and the economy is doing fine. So, <laughs> Jim, if you're watching, I'm so sorry, buddy. I hate to pick you apart like this. And uh, n- next time I'll, I'll, I'll throw you a softball so you can pick me apart or uh, we can have this discussion face-to-face on one of these live streams. And again, I want to reiterate how much respect I have for my good buddy, Jim Bianco. But let's just think this one through here. So if we have the Fed dropping rates, why would they do that if inflation is is sticky, is is over their target of 2% and it's staying over 3% and the economy is strong? I, I, I don't know. And then you have to argue why the long end of the curve would predict higher inflation and growth expectations than it's predicting right now. You would also have to predict this time is different. And what I mean by that is that the curve is going to uninvert. And not only are we going to have a no landing or soft landing, but we're going to have a bear steepener, which is something that we, we've we've never had. Well, I guess you could say it's a hybrid of both, right? Because the front end would be coming down because the Fed's dropping rates. And theoretically, the long end would be going up. But I would still consider that a bear type of steepener when in the past, the only thing that we've had, we haven't even had a hybrid. We've just had that bull steepener where the Fed drops rates and it uninverts. But that's just because the Fed is dropping rates faster then the long end of the curve is coming down. The long end of the curve, I'm talking about yields, still come down. We, we've never had, well, based on my research, I have, I've yet to find an example going all the way back to 1950 where we've had an uninversion as a result of anything, anything other than the Fed dropping rates and the long end coming down, but just not as much. So the front end coming down faster than the long end, but the long end still comes down. So based on this argument, not only do I see these contradictions that I outlined, but also you would have to believe this time it's different. Let's keep going. Is it on the back of you know inflation reemerging or the economy suddenly surging and reaccelerating to the upside? What does that move higher in yields look like? But But again, if the economy is surging or whatever term that he used, yields are surging, the economy's on fire, why would the Fed drop rates? Especially if inflation is still above 3%. That, does, that doesn't... <laughs> those, those two things don't really reconcile. No soft landing. I, I don't think we're having a soft landing. And if I was to stick with the metaphor, I think we're having a no landing. I think that the economy's doing what it does 90% of the time. It is continuing to expand at trend, which about two and a half percent growth, or maybe a little bit better. So two and a half percent growth. 
If inflation is bottoming at around 3%, which is roughly where we are now because demand is going to hold in, you add the two together, you get 5.5%. And that's where I come up with 5.5% for the yield. That that's not- Okay, here, let me agree with Jim. So I, I, I don't agree with him, obviously, on the no landing part. But let's assume we, we, we do have a no landing. Let's just assume for a moment that we completely avoid any type of recession whatsoever. And let's assume for a moment that the yield curve is incorrect. Then is 5.5 a realistic number for the 10-year treasury? I 100% agree. 100% agree. Because what he's doing right there is he's just basically looking at growth and inflation expectations and saying that he expects growth to be at five or growth plus inflation to be right around five, five and a half percent. And therefore, you would expect the 10-year treasury yield to be right around there or maybe a little bit higher. Now, if that was my forecast, I totally agree. Totally agree. That makes sense. But there again, the bond market is predicting the exact opposite of that right now. And my next response to Jim would be, what is the market waiting for, right? Like, like if, if right now that is so obvious that we're going to stay on trend. So let's just say nominal GDP at two and a half, whatever, 3%. And we're going to have inflation hover right around 3%. If, if that's just, we're going to stay on that trend, then why is the market, which should be a, a forward looking machine, why is this not predict? Why is the 10 year treasury not 5.5 right now? Why is it 3.9? You see, again, that doesn't really makes sense to me either. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with macroeconomics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. But let's go back to this interview. Nominal GDP that, you know, the 10-year yield should approximate where nominal GDP is. So where I'm differing from Wall Street's consensus is I don't think we're going to see a slowdown. I don't think we're going to see a soft landing. I think we're just going to continue to see trend growth or maybe a little bit better than trend growth. And that's basically what we saw in 2023. So, Jim, I think your five and a half was close. But but again, not to beat a dead horse here, but if I was talking to Jim, I'd say, then, Jim, why on earth would the Fed drop rates? Because he said right at the beginning of the interview that he still sees the Fed dropping rates, but just not six times. So if we're going to have no landing, if if we're going to stay on trend, at let's just say two and a half uh, percent nominal and two and a half, three percent um, CPI, 
why are we dropping rates? It, it's not like the right now the Fed funds rate is at 20%. Now, if it was, then I would agree. that, Or I should say that, that, that Jim's opinion would make a lot more sense in my view because rates would be historically high and therefore you've got to come back down to a mean or an average. But r- rates are not historically high. They might be relatively high <laughs> compared to what we've had over the last whatever, uh, 10 years or so, but they're not high historically speaking. So again, I just don't know why the Fed would drop rates, especially, 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 especially when Jerome Powell is sitting there. And I can assure you of one thing that every single morning he wakes up, he wants to be remembered as Paul Volcker and not Arthur Burns. That is one thing we know for sure. So looking at it through that lens, do you think, and, and not only that, but there's no downside for Jerome Powell if we have a recession. And in fact, there's only upside because if we do have a recession, then he's going to be a hero because he's the one that had the guts to do what it uh, took to combat the inflation problem, just like Paul Volcker. And then if we have no landing, he looks like a hero as well. The only outcome where Jerome Powell would not look like a hero in the history books is if inflation reaccelerates. That's it. That's where he's Arthur Burns. So ask yourself a question. If you were in Jerome Powell's shoes, it, obviously you would try to do what's best for the overall economy, but you have to admit that you would have a huge, huge incentive to error on the side of a recession instead of erring on the side of a reacceleration in inflation. And if that's the case, assuming that's true, then if we have growth staying high, if we have inflation staying high, how can you argue that the Fed's going to drop rates? There's, the only way they would drop rates is if he actually wanted to be remembered as Arthur Burns. And I think that we can go ahead and scratch that off the list. Let's get back to the article, or excuse me, the interview. Enough for a win. I don't think we're getting back up there, but I do see some moving averages that can get me. The 100-day moving average in the 10 years is 439. The 200-day is a little bit over 4%. But the, the question I have to ask is where you started there with CPI. We went from 9% down to 3%, PCE running with a two-handle on it. Isn't this good enough when you see inflation drop so fast? That could be the reason why they're cutting, not because the economy is in any danger? Well, first of all, that PCE at 2% is is only on a six-month annualized basis for core PCE. So there's many measures, and that's the lowest measure you can get. The Fed has made it very clear that there is no close enough. There is, we are going to get it back to 2%. There is 65% of the country that lives paycheck to paycheck, that prices are 20% higher than they were four years ago, and that we have to... But now he's making my argument. (laughs) Now he's making my argument that there's no way, if if the no landing is true, there's no way they're going to drop rates. So I don't know, which one is it? (laughs) Which one is it, buddy? Slow dramatically this rise in inflation. And 3% is not, this is not horseshoes or hand grenades. This is 3% is not close enough that they have to continue to uh, lean on the economy to get it all the way down to two. Now they're hoping they've done enough that it's on its way. 
But if it turns out to be sticky, uh, you know, they might be a little bit more hesitant to cut rates as much as people think. So that's my I point. do think that the inflation rate is key to this forecast. But I also think that we have not yet seen the numbers that suggest that we're really on our on that so-called last mile. Remember, year-over-year core inflation is 4% right now, and year-over-year headline inflation is 3%, and largely because of oil being depressed. What's the timing of your forecast, Jim? In other words, you see rates, the 10-year yield going to 5.5%, but you still see three rate cuts. So do we hit 5.5% and then we see cuts kick in, and so then we see the yields back off? Or I'm just trying to figure out what, what you're foreseeing in terms of you know trying to extrapolate I think the panel is just as confused, <laughs> uh, just as confused as I am. And and Jim, if you're watching this, buddy, I'm DM me on Twitter. I, I would love to have you come on so we can discuss this. I'm probably just misinterpreting what you're saying. And I realize how difficult it is when you're doing these live things. And I know a lot. Of, and just so you guys know, a lot of times when you go on CNBC or Fox or something like that, they'll they'll have you on just so you can make an argument, even if it's kind of not really your argument, uh, just to kind of take one side. So this could be what Jim is doing as well. Like this into how the markets trade this year. So remember the yield curve is inverted and it's been inverted now for about 15 months. And that is an extraordinarily long time for the yield curve to be inverted. No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. No, that that's average. Let's go back to 2006. That's when the curve inverted prior to the GFC, and it took 23, 24 months before we actually saw the recession. So no, 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 that, that, that actually, I, I would push back on the data there uh, with Jim, and the, the data that I have seen, and, and I've done this a lot for the whiteboard videos, shows me that the average, the average time is usually 15 to 13 months. Now, he could be looking at a different inversion. Uh, when I say the, uh, the 15 to 18 months, I believe that was on the three-month and the 10-year. Uh, he might be talking about the two-year and the 10-year, just to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt there. Rates are higher than long rates. So if the Fed wants to cut once or twice, um, maybe three times, you know, and bring the funds rate down into high fours, and the 10-year yield goes to five and a half, that's a positive 75 basis point yield curve. So really what we're talking about is a normalization of the yield curve during the year. That is That in and of itself to say, well, the yield curve will normalize is not an unusual thing. What might be a little bit unusual about it is it would normalize in an environment of rising rates. It usually normalizes with rates falling. Uh, this one might be you know, where I'm talking about the long end of the yield curve where rates are going up. That might- yeah, He's talking about the bull steepener versus the bear steepener normalize the curve. So keep in mind that what that is implying is that the yield curve goes positive again. Mm. Oh, okay. But, but, but again, how, how does the yield curve go positive if, if the Fed's dropping rates? I mean, that's kind of just dovetailing on what we just said. That's uh, a good thing, especially for banks, Jim. Would you agree? It, yeah. I mean, it can be a good thing for a good thing for banks. What, <laughs> where, where did that come from? What? Ah, here's where CNBC drives me crazy. Remember, Josh, remind me, there was something that happened in March of 2023 as a result of the 10-year treasury yield going up above 4.3%. Well, well, do you you recall, or maybe someone can help me here in the chat on the live stream. 
I, I know there was something. What was that that happened in March of 2023? It was something with a, a silicon or silicone. Or <laughs> uh, that was the whole banking crisis of 2023. What the, it's because the 10-year treasury got up over a point where they were way upside down on the asset side of their balance sheet when they had to liquidate uh, or they had to transfer all of those commercial deposit liabilities. So if, if that happened and the BTFP was a result of that, we almost had a, a banking system collapse <laughs> as a result of the of the uh, 10-year treasury yield. What happens when it goes up to 5.5? You think the BTFP is being utilized right now? Woo! Just wait till we get to 5.5, baby. <laughs> that BTFP will look like reverse repo. It's going to two trillion. Ah, <laughs> oh, geez. I got to give everyone a hard time on this video. For banks, and can, it can be a good thing for. Um, uh Another reason it's not that great for banks. Well, now let me take this back. Uh, it, it could be good for banks like some of the regionals and whatnot. When you look at it exclusively, when you look at exclusively the component of the short end being longer or the, the short end being lower than the high end, a steeper yield curve. Yes. It, but we got to completely exclude the blow up of 2023 and how that might lead to another blow up. But another thing here that you got to realize is that right now, I think uh, the steepening of the yield curve is actually bad for, ba for big banks. Why? Because they're not paying depositors, anything even remotely close to overnight rates. Right now, I don't know what it is with Wells Fargo, but let's just say you're getting 50 basis points. So they're still pocketing the spread of 50 basis points. And let's just say IOR, which is at 5.25%. So if the Fed drops that, that's going to actually hurt their margins. Uh, you know, for lenders, because their cost of uh, loans would go up. And it Cannot, it may not necessarily be a bad thing for the economy because more long-term interest rates are what lending is tied to. Mm -hmm. And really what I'm also implying in this forecast is I don't think the economy's hurt by 5% interest rates. I don't think the economy's really hurt by seven or maybe high sevens mortgages. It's certainly not helped by it, but it's not, you know, the, it's not the old line that the Fed raised rates till something broke. I don't think something is broken because of these rates. And I think that's the assumption a lot of people are using. We broke something. We went too high in interest rates. That's why we're going to have to come down and we have to worry about a recession. I don't think we did. I'd go back to my earlier video today where we talked about, okay, we know Europe's in recession. We know Japan is heading there. We know China's heading there. So we, we have to argue that the United States, the global economy, is going to go into a recession, if not depression, but yet the United States is going to co somehow come out smelling like roses. Uh, it, it, this is just, uh, th this is a tough pill for me to swallow. <laughs> Mad respect for my good buddy, Jim. And I'd love to have him come on to where we could talk about it. But uh, in this case, I'm going to have to disagree. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out in 2024. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. If you want to check out my financial game plan for my own portfolio, you can go right to georgegamma.com forward slash 2024 and you can check that out. See you in the next video.